is Christian Questions. Albert Pike once said, we have done for ourselves, I'm sorry, let me start again. What we have done for ourselves alone dies with us. What we have done for others and the world remains and is immortal. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions, Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, what is our topic this morning? This should be pretty... The interesting, I think. Yes, Rick, our question is, what happens when you die? And our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Well, Jonathan, it's awfully cliche to say it, but death is part of life. Nobody wants it, nobody likes it, and nobody even likes thinking about it. But death, until further notice, is the inevitable end for every being that exists on this earth. So, what happens when you die? Talk to ten people and you can get easily get ten different answers on that question. Stay with us this morning as we look into death and how the Bible defines it. You might be a little surprised. There's some pretty fascinating things here that we're going to be coming upon as we look at this this morning. So, so Jonathan, the, the, the program this morning is about death. Yeah, but uh, it's also a wonderful day. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's <laughs> yeah, Day, Rick. No. So why is it? <laughs> who picked this topic for this day? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I, let, I see the guy that did that. Yeah, let's talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Rick, uh, in, in the car I'm on the way here, my wonderful wife said, Did you... Thank your Heavenly Father for Father's Day today. There you go. I like that there, perspective. That's How about where, that? where all the cards and the thanks should go, huh? You got it. One way one way road up to heaven to the Heavenly Father for Father's Day. So to all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day to you. We have a great inspirational topic for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Everything doesn't always work perfectly. But uh, So death and the Bible. Let, let, let's try to figure out according to Scripture, because, Jonathan, there's a lot of things in the Scriptures that on the surface don't seem to, 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 to work together. That's right. So we, what we want to do is figure out how does it all fit or does it all fit and what can we understand about death so to get this whole discussion started let's go to a um, just a little bit of a historical perception uh, and perspective on death from the horizon research foundation talking about uh, early medicine and their views of 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 keeping people from dying just it's just kind of a fascinating look let's take a listen to this Before the advent of cardiopulmonary resuscitation and research into cardiac arrest, after somebody died, there was very little that could be done to revive them. And this meant that death was very much a moment as defined by the heart stopping. Throughout the past centuries and millennia, ancient physicians also attempted to revive the dead. However, most of their attempts were largely futile. Some of the earliest attempts centered around warming a person after they had died, This was because ancient physicians associated warmth with life and coldness with death. 
and there, there's several other things that go into, uh, I mean, some, in, in some places, somebody would, would have died, you know, their heart would have stopped, and they would actually whip them to try to re-stimulate their body. Wow. I mean, there's all kinds of things that they would do uh, because, obviously, death is a, is a permanent state when you, when you look at it from a physical standpoint. And when the heart stopped, and the way she said it, I think, was really profound and important, death was very much a moment. Interesting. And in, in many cases, we, we kind of look at it that way because, you know, you have when you're watching television and you have the, the scene in the emergency room and, you know, they're doing all these things to, 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 to revive someone mm-hmm. and then they finally can't and they say uh, time of death and they give the moment. The moment. That's right. All right. So right. it's kind of an interesting perspective when you look at that. And to try and define death and how it all works and, and how it all fits together. Let's go back to the original institution of life and death in the scriptures, and that would be in the book of Genesis. Um, so let's go all the way back to the creation, because I think, Jonathan, one of the things we take for granted is we look at the creation accounts as just, well, yeah, 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 that happened, and, and then everything got started. But there are details there that are very specific about how things work. And if we pay real close attention to the very beginning, it's kind of like God giving full upfront disclosure on some things that really are, need to be known. These, these are need-to-know things. There's a lot of value. Yeah. So we'll start with uh, first mankind created uh, uh, in a unique fashion compared to the rest of the earthly creation. You know, the... In, in the creation account, it says, and the, and the earth brought forth right. all of these different things. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to creating man, it's a little different. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So, it singles out the creation of humankind in a very different different way. And man is given rule, man is given, given dominion, and man is given responsibility over the earth. Right. None of the other creation was put into that position. The earth essentially brought those other things forth. But when it comes to mankind, it's a whole different ballgame. So... You've got the creation of man. Well, where does death's first reference appear? And that's in the context of brand new life. That's right. So you're just getting started with life. It's like you're just stretching and saying, oh, this is great. And then you have the introduction of the idea of death. <laughs> so, and, and, well, let's, let's just go to that. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. And we're going to be looking at this uh, with a very particular focus because the, the translation we're going to be reading from it's not a common translation, but it really seems to reflect uh, the Hebrew language much better than, than, than the others. So we'll, we'll make some more comments on that as we go. And Jehovah God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And Jehovah God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou shalt surely begin to eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely begin to die. So it makes an interesting statement there. In the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely begin to to die. die. 
So, and you say, wait, 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 what does that mean? Because usually when we read that, you know, it says, Thou, thou shalt, shalt surely die. die. Right, right, right. So you say, well, where do you get that idea? And is there a difference between the beginning to die and the dying thing? And yes, there is. There's a very big difference. And folks, if you have a King James Version, which is the what, what's called the Common Version, and you've got one of the, the, the King James Versions with the little column in between the two sets of scriptures on mm-hmm. the page, mm-hmm. if you look in that in that margin... It says on that scripture, it says, dying thou shalt die, where in this ver- translation it says, thou shalt begin to die. Mm-hmm. So there is a sense of a process, if you will, and I think that's important. There's a sense of a process of dying that's introduced, and the King James Version actually bears that out, though it's in the margin uh, and, but, and not in, in the actual text. Okay. So I think that's that's kind of interesting. So let, let's go through this, Jonathan. What are some of the points here that, that God put man uh, in, in, in the garden with? God made man the perfect environment conducive for living. All right. So you've got this garden. Everything is good. It's, it's conducive for living. It's conducive for growing. It's conducive for everything you could possibly imagine. And man was tasked... Uh, with its care and upkeep. So it's not like he gave him this completed picture. He gave him this this perfect place and said, now you take care of it. You do all the work to maintain it. Right. But man had access to everything except <laughs> so, one thing. Right. So there's this, <laughs> this tree in the midst of the garden that he's not supposed to eat from. And he said, and God said in that scripture, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of it you shall surely begin to die. So there's this one thing that, and isn't that human nature? You, you can have all of these things, but except for this one. Yep. And so what do you want? Uh, you the, want the thing you one can't thing. touch. Right, right. So, so what happens here? Well, the potential consequences for disobedience were immediately present. Because God said, all right. Here's. Full disclosure, right up front, right? Right, right. Exactly. He didn't, there was no surprise. No. He's saying, you're going to begin to die. Now, I don't know that, that Adam would have really understood death clearly at this point, but he said, something is going to happen and it's not good. Right. All right? And the consequence would have an immediate effect Dying thou shalt die. And that's what the King James Version uh, margin says. So you've got all of that, and, and so you've got this sense of living and dying. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about what does it mean to die? What happens when you die? It's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so... As we, we look at all of this, there's, there's a lot to this subject, and we might as well say it here. Uh, we have a very different view of what death is than, the, than a, a typical Christian view because we really try very hard to stick to what we think the scriptures are teaching us death is rather than what tradition might teach us death is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a hard step to take because you're, you're going in a different direction. Well, here we are. This is Christian Questions. This is Jonathan and Rick. And yes, we are going in a different direction on this particular subject. Uh, and this is a big subject, too. It is. If you're going to diverge on a subject, you know, well, let's diverge on something small, but no. <laughs> let's, let's look at some of the big things and try to get what the scriptures are teaching us. So um, I, I want to go quickly to another, another soundbite. This was from a CNN interview. Uh, Deepak Chopra was there along with some others. They were talking about the science of death, and they say some pretty fascinating things. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at fascinating until we listen to this. The, the, the mind, that consciousness, the one I'm talking to right now, is not a product of the brain, but is localizing 
itself through the brain. Just like people who are seeing us right now on their screens, you know, we are not in their television boxes. We are coming through these airwaves and they are perceiving us, but if they open the box, they won't find Deepak or Jeff or anyone there. So if I look inside you, I won't find your soul because it's not there. In fact, your body is experienced in your consciousness. Your mind is experienced in your consciousness. And the evidence is pointing out that this consciousness is non-local, which means it exists outside of space-time, and therefore, mathematically, it's impossible to destroy this consciousness. Now, I don't know if you caught that, Jonathan, but he's saying that science is beginning to show, the evidence is beginning to show that our consciousness doesn't uh, originate from our, our own brain. Really? It, just like he's saying, just like when you watch your television, the people who are on television aren't really inside the box. But they're, they're originating from some other place. And this is from science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's saying that science, the evidence is beginning to show that our consciousness comes from someplace else, not our brain. Our brain just synthesizes and processes that consciousness. And they're saying, and they're, they're pointing to science, saying, well, science is beginning to show that. And I've got some comments on that, and I'm going to hold them to the next segment because we're almost out of time here. Okay. But hang on to that point. We're not going to read all of Genesis 3, 1 to 7, except for the fact that after sin occurred, something happened. And we're just going to jump down to verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So their eyes were opened. Satan said to them, remember, he said, well, you know, you're not going to surely die. God knows, you know, you're going to know good and evil. You're going to be like him. And he was partially right. But what happened is shame occurred. That's right. Shame entered in, and they look to cover themselves now before God, which indicates the dying process began. That's right. Because humankind was not created with shame. They were created before God, and there was no reason for shame. But once sin enters, then the dying process enters. So when in that first soundbite where it said, you know, death was very much a moment, Mm -hmm. the scriptures don't tell us that. The scriptures tell us that dying is a process. Interesting. And science now proves to us that dying is not a moment, it's a process. So the scriptures from the very beginning show dying and death as a process very different from what history proved or showed us earlier. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens when you die? Coming up, do animal and insect creatures have the same soul or being as humans? Do they die exactly like us? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens when you die? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we are talking about a very important and very difficult subject, what happens when you die. Uh, we want to make a quick comment on, on that last soundbite. You know, they're talking about our consciousness comes from someplace else, not our own brains. That's science saying y- that. You know, and I have an opinion on that. You do? Hogwash. <laughs> That's what I say. But my opinion doesn't Tell matter. Tell us what you really think, Rick. <laughs> but, and, you know, it's kind of interesting. They're saying, well, you know, the evidence is beginning to show that. And here's the thing. If you want to be all scientific about all this stuff, if you're going to say the evidence is showing that, then you can't say that evolution works either 
because the two don't work together. Oh, that's they interesting. They contradict one another. So just, just oh a, wow, just a point to say, okay, <laughs> you know, let's get let's, let's let's not get outside of ourselves. Like Tevia. Yeah, he's right and he's right. right. How can they both be right? <laughs> <laughs> they can't. Hey, hey, listen. Before we get back to the subject, Jonathan, let's just take a, a moment. Remember last week we were talking about Christian Questions' fifteenth birthday. Oh yes. And I promised you that I get a couple of sound bites from that very first program. Uh huh. <laughs> well, we have a sound bite from my very first. First program introduction, and I, you know, it. I, I actually started to sweat when I was listening to it. I was like, ah, oh, no. Anyway, just want to play you a little bit, and then we want to get the perspective of our wives who were listening to yes. us pretty much make fools of ourselves on the radio for the very first time. But here, here's what the very first Christian Questions program introduction sounded like 15 years ago. Good morning, everyone. This is Rick, and you're listening to Christian Questions. This is a brand new radio program, and I'm here with my buddy Jonathan and my other buddy Sean, who's behind the board, and uh, we're here to encourage people to read the Bible. Uh, Jonathan, our show is brand new. As a matter of fact, I'm scared to death sitting here behind a microphone on the radio. I know what you mean. <laughs> and uh, I think we ought to start out by, uh, first of all, thanking people for listening to us and giving you a little bit of a background on who we are and uh, what we're about and how we ended up here on the radio. Uh, there it is. That's about as much as I could take. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just getting getting started with that, and it's kind of fun to do this on, on Father's Day where we were, you know, sort of, like we said last week, stepping out on faith. Uh, Trish and Jewel were both at your house with Rebecca, who was Sean's wife. That's right. And uh, they were listening to this. And so Jewel and Trish are both here in the studio this morning. So we just thought it might be fun to get a little bit of their perspective on what uh, what this whole thing sounded like and what they were feeling and what they, what it felt like. So, Jewel, why don't you get started? What, what was it like listening? listening to us do that that Friday morning. Well, we were very, very nervous and excited for the opportunity for both of you, but thinking, what were they thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And then I was pacing the floor. Tricia was sitting on our chair trying to gather up all the dog hair she could off the hardwood floor. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because I don't know. I'm so nervous. (laughs) But um, we were... It was just an amazing time and something that we'll never forget, but definitely, definitely exciting. All right, Trisha, anything to add to that? Um, not really. I mean, I just, we were, like I said, very nervous. I was extremely nervous. Now, you have to understand, Jonathan and Jewel are Mr. and Mrs. Clean, right. so there's very little dirt or anything on their floor to believe me to find anything to pick up i was really working hard at that because i was so nervous i was like there's got to be something here i can do <laughs> and poor jewel she's like what are you doing trying to clean my house um but it was exciting um very very nerve-wracking we thought you guys did great because i certainly didn't want to be behind that microphone so we give you gave you a lot of credit for being willing to be so brave to do something like this so um, with no experience, and here we are, 15 years later. That's so. an amazing thing. Amazing. Thank, thank you, ladies, for, for yes. sharing that. And uh, it was quite an experience. And, and we're gonna we're gonna come back to to uh, you know we had to, we heard me from that oh, first week. We're gonna hear me. Huh? Yeah. Oh, ne- next boy. hour we're gonna hear you. And <laughs> anyway, let's get back to our subject matter, folks. We're talking about life and death and the scriptures and the scriptures defining them. So the one of the things that that we think about is okay, man's soul. 
Well, how does the thing about man's soul come about? The scriptures are very specific in how they phrase the soul of man. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, the word for being from that translation is the word soul. Mm -hmm. It says man became a living soul, a living being. It didn't say he was given no, a soul. It, it was. It's very specific. And, and that's why I said in, in the first segment, Jonathan, if you look at the account of Genesis, you can really get the answers to life and death. And, and I see this as a mathematical equation. Body plus breath equals soul. Because that's the way the scripture reads exactly. it. Exactly. So, okay. So we've got that. The word for being literally means a breathing creature. Right. That's what the actual uh, Hebrew word means. So... The, the the full consequence for disobedience for this being, and we're going to look at Genesis three seventeen to 19, but Jonathan, just again, in the interest of time, let's just read verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So the question is, it's and, and everybody I think knows that scripture, you know, from dust thou art, mm-hmm. to dust thou shalt return. Yes. So the question we have to ask ourselves about that particular scripture is, is death defined here? Is death simply going back to the pre-life state, which was the absence of life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what God is saying? It I, is. If so, uh, dying cannot mean living on in another state. That's right. And I, again, if you focus on the Genesis account of how all this happens and you get very particular with the wording. The see, Hebrew words, right. the definitions. And, and see, to me, getting particular is important because this is the introduction of a way of life under sin that we would need to understand for thousands of years. Yes. So you can either say, well, God just haphazardly said, well, you know, if you don't do that, you're going to die, you're going to live. and God was not haphazard. He was very specific, I think, in Genesis in helping us understand it. And it says, you are dust, and you will return to that from that which you came. So it's saying you. It's not saying your body just returns to the earth. It's saying that you are going back to the state you, you were in, which was a state of not existence. Right. So, now again, you listen to that and say, wait a minute, what, you mean to tell me you're saying that, yep, that's right, we are, (laughs) we're saying that when you die, you die. Mm -hmm. And that the soul doesn't go off anywhere on its own. If you have a thought, and I'm sure you might, uh, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And check out CQ Rewind. CQ Rewind is a free service where you'll get an Free email every week of the program. You'll get graphics, illustrations, bonus material, things we don't have time to cover. And you can listen at the same time of reading this information and really get a real sense of the subject. And with a subject (coughs) like this, excuse me, that's very important because there's a lot of scripture, especially in the bonus material, that we just don't have time for that try to put the whole the whole story together because this is too big a, a subject for just two hours but we're going to try to do it anyway <laughs> so so we we have the specifics of mankind and death in genesis and it certainly looks like from our perspective it looks like you're going back to the state from which you came which was absence of life right okay that's what it looks like god is defining death to be so 
the other question you have to ask yourself is, were other life forms, uh, were they called beings or souls as well? Like animals and right. insects? Because you, you think about it, and, and the, the traditional viewpoint is, well, man has a soul, but other animals don't have souls. Okay, well, we think that according to Scripture, man actually is a soul. So the question is, what about other animals? And the interesting thing is that the same exact word for soul, where it says man became a living soul, mm-hmm. is also used to describe the rest of the creation in Genesis 1, chapter 20 to 21. Chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature. Creature. See, stop. Whoop, 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 whoop. That's that, the word. That word creature is the same for soul. Right. The li- moving soul right. that hath life. And fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature. Same word. Soul that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So you put all this together and in the book of Genesis. Again, I really believe those first few chapters give us a real lesson on how to understand in life and death what it was meant to be. The understanding that was meant to be put out it it it, it explains all living things sort of in the same category body plus plus breath equals soul exactly a soul not receiving a soul right right so it puts it all together now we've got that now let's diverge for a moment shall we (laughs) you're gonna love this next one this is a soundbite from a a website uh, imjeffreyallen.com and this gentleman uh, speaks to, uh, I would say, sp- supposedly, he, he believes it, but I, I don't. Uh, he believes that he speaks to departed souls, uh, to, to ghosts and so forth. And so he is giving explanations for what he says these departed souls tell him is actually happening out there in the, in the, in the world of, of, uh, of death. Okay, very different from our perspective, but we want to present it to you because that's one of the things we want to do this morning is present a, a bunch of different ideas. So listen, listen to this. To really understand what happens when you die, I have to start before you were born. Now, as spirits out of body, we travel from life to life, and we tend to travel with groups of spirits who have similar interests, similar things they're learning, and similar goals. Now, before this lifetime you're in right now, you had a big planning session with all the people that were going to be significant or are significant in your life right now, as well as the spirit guides who are traveling with each of you, helping to coordinate and keep you on path or help line things up according to this plan that you wrote and according to the plan that you're writing as you're alive. Now, keep in mind that even though you have a big planning session, there is kind of a path that you've set yourself forward on. This is written in pencil. You are the author of your story, so you can change it at any time. So, Jonathan, from that perspective, and the reason we're bringing that out, because you know, some of us may be listening to that and say, well, even if you disagree with our perspective, you listen to that and say, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's different. But see, different, the point yes. is, Jonathan, that life and death are permeate our thinking, and there's so many different perspectives, and people can say there's evidence for so many different kinds of things. And we want to try to put as much on the table as we possibly can. And this is saying, okay, before this human life, you actually had a meeting with the other spirits that you were going to be interacting with during your life to group, plan it out. Group session. Yeah. Let's figure out who I want to be and what I want to do. And, yeah, and we're going to come back to him in a little bit, bit later. But it just gives you a sense of how wide the variety is of perspectives on life and death. 
Interesting. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Stay connected to Rick and I at any day or time at ChristianQuestions.com. Exclusive videos, audio clips, our great rewind tool, and much, much more. Right after the show or any day this week, jump on to ChristianQuestions.com. Jump right on there. Now, let, let's talk about, Jonathan, for a moment. Let's talk about what it means to die. The, I mean, the word in the scriptures, to die, literally means... To die. To die, to kill, okay? In Genesis 2.17, it said, you know, you don't eat at the tree of knowledge, because in the day you eat thereof... Thou shalt surely die. Yeah, and again, you shall begin to mm-hmm. die. Mm-hmm. So, what happens? What dies? Does our body die, or is it just the body, or do we actually die? Well, God said you will begin to die. He didn't say your body is going to begin to expire, but you're going to go someplace else. And Satan said the opposite. Yeah, he you did. won't. You won't surely die. Surely die. Okay, that's interesting. But here's a scripture in Second Kings. Second Kings eight five talks about the the the, the raising of uh, of of a child to, back to life. But the way it describes it, it describes the raising back to life of the body and the child as being exactly the same thing. It's kind of interesting. And it came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life. Okay, restored a dead body to life. That behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, who Elisha restored to life. So it says he had restored a dead body to life, and then it was the son who had been restored to life. It was, it was exactly the same thing. Right. So the same fate happened to the being and the body. It was all connected the, the same way. Job says something interesting about dying in Job 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. So that word for die is exactly the same thing. If a man dies, will he live again? Well, if he continues to live, why would you ask the question, Would he live again? Will he live yes. again? Yeah, good, because good he's point. already living. It, it just wouldn't be a sensible question. Here's my favorite scripture about death in the, in the Bible, Jonathan. Ecclesiastes 10.1. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. So you say, well, what has that got to do with anything? Dead is the same word applied to humankind, applying to dead flies. All right? No difference. And, and that's the point. Psalm 6.5. For the in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give th- thee thanks? And then, and then Psalm one fifteen seventeen. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. So you've got several scriptures that talking about death as being a a silent, dark, non-existent type of a of a situation. So it is a very important factor to look at when we look at the scriptures. What does it mean when you die? What do the scriptures define for us as human death? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens when you die? Coming up, are our souls mortal or immortal? What about angels? Who is immortal besides God? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens when you die? 
to be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, in this segment, we want to focus on the concept, the idea, the thinking of what is immortality. And who's got it. Right. Who inherently owns immortality. Now, to own immortality means that it's something that you... I'm, I'm sort of defining what I mean by that. It's something that you have that cannot be taken away from you. So, to me, immortality is deathlessness. Right. All right. So, does humanity own immortality? Can't be snuffed out. All right. Uh, Romans 6.23, a good scripture to start with. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's interesting because that certainly seems to fit exactly along with what Genesis was saying. You, the, 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 when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. dying thou shalt die. Right. Romans says the wages of sin is death. So that, that fits exactly It really with. does. So as we take a look at the, con- at the look at the concept of immortality, according to Webster's Online Dictionary, to be immortal means to be exempt from death. And, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, exempt from oblivion. Let's go to another source on what happens after you die. This is a this is a very new age, very new age source. This is askteal.com and she's explaining um, a little bit about what she sees as happening uh, in the, with the concept of life and death. Not fearing death, therefore, is the natural byproduct of adopting the view of your eternal self. The view that your eternal self has of death is the exact opposite of the view that your ego self has of death. Death is not seen as a loss, and death is not seen as annihilation by your eternal self, because it knows that it is an eternal stream which is always flowing into life and out of life. Death will not be unknown to you if you continue the path of the spiritual life, because it is the process of reintegration with your eternal self, which is your true self, really, the process of integrating the transcendental awareness with the limited perspective of the individual life. Your body is a temporary expression of your eternal and true self. Therefore, there is no death. Wow. So she was talking about your eternal self versus your ego self and and the difference between the two. And she's sort of on the same wavelength as that CNN thing was in the first segment. That's right, with science. Yeah. Right. So, well, you know, but but it was their perspective of science because science really doesn't show us those things. So we want to look at immortality. What does immortality actually mean? And, And Jonathan, there's two words. Uh, used for immortality in the scriptures. What 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 do they mean? And then we'll we'll go to the phones. Incorruptibility, an unending existence. All right. So that is one way of looking at it. Another word is deathlessness. All right. So you got those those couple of words that uh, help us to to focus on what does it mean to to live and to die and what's immortality. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have John from Tennessee. Good morning, John, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you, sir? I'm losing you for some reason. Okay, how are are we still here? Give us your thoughts. We're ready to listen. Hello. Yeah, can you hear us? Can you? Uh, what I was asking the lady uh, uh, earlier, the uh, soul is used on through the Bible. I was just wondering why they didn't say when God breathed life into a being, why didn't they say soul then, and uh, on every living creature? why it wouldn't have said every living soul. 
Okay, okay. So why why are the different words? And here's the thing: the translation tells us. I'm going to listen to the answer on the radio because I can't hear you guys. Okay. Well, thank John. Thanks for the question. We appreciate it. And and you know he's asking a good question. He said, "Well, okay, wh- why are there different words if you're saying it's all the same?" And that comes down to translation. When when translation happens, oftentimes you you have a, a second word or a third word inserted, but it's coming from the exact same core, the exact same uh, original word. And that that's why we try to look at the definitions of words and how they're used to try to be precise. So when it says creature for the uh, the 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 animal creation mm-hmm. uh why didn't they say soul i don't know because it's the same thing they should have it's the same word and and honestly to me the best word to describe it now this is a little rick opinion but being i think would have covered it all so man became a living being god created the beings of, of the sea of, of fish of the sea and the fowl of the air to me that would have covered it all because it all means the same thing right okay so and, and john you know i don't know if you subscribe to seeker rewind the full edition but it's a free service you can get it online um there's no obligation and there's a ton of information in there about that exact question in the bonus material so go to seekerchristianquestions.com uh click on seeker rewind and sign up for the the full edition a lot of people have been signing up lately excellent it's really a cool thing uh, to see that it's a great service it's it's a great availability john thanks for the call and thanks for the question so jonathan let's talk about immortality here in the new testament do we have human beings do we have immortality deathlessness in uh, inherent in us now teal from askteal.com says we do yeah she did uh that other other guy what was his name his guy, his name was uh jeffrey allen says we do mm-hmm. here what does the bible say romans 2 7 to them who pay patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life so if you're seeking for immortality, Jonathan, do you already have it? No, you don't. Okay, so let me use another illustration. Have you ever lost your keys? Oh, yes. And when you lost your keys and you're seeking for them, do you have them? No, I don't. But when you find them, do you have them? Yes, I do. All right, so we are in the seeking process as Christians for immortality. Why do I say that? Because Romans 2.7 says that. Let's take a look at... Um, uh, well, ne- next couple of scriptures are from 1 Corinthians 15, and they're talking about, uh, this is the, the, the famous chapter where, where, where Paul is explaining uh, the, the destiny of, of faithful followers of Christ and the destiny of others in terms of resurrection. Okay, and what does he say? 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. All right. Sown in corruption, raised in... Incorruption. Unending existence. That's the word for, that's defined as unending existence. But if the dead are, if, if their death is called corruption, it doesn't indicate that there's a continuing on, does no, it? No, it does Because doesn't. if something is corrupted, you have a hard drive in your com- computer that's corrupted, it's no good. That's right. It doesn't function anymore. It, it's, it's worthless. So that's kind of another way to look at death. You know, it's like the hard drive that's corrupted, it's, it's dead. It doesn't work anymore. But if you can be raised in incorruption... Which is the resurrection. 
it gives you a whole different sense. First Corinthians fifteen fifty, a few verses down. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So we know that, and here's the th- where it starts to get tricky, because you're talking about life and death and immortality and mortality. He's saying flesh and blood doesn't inherit the kingdom. So if you have a someone who, who may believe, and there are those who believe that you know you go to heaven as, as, a, as a physical being, the Apostle Paul is saying that's not true. That's not that you can't inherit the kingdom with flesh and blood. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Neither does something that is diable inherit deathlessness. It just doesn't work. Okay, so he, the, the scriptures seem to be separating immortality away from humanity, not supporting the idea that humanity owns immortality inherent in their, their, their being. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And go to our website at ChristianQuestions.com and become a Twitter follower and learn about the upcoming programs and any new updates posted. All right, now, Jonathan, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 53 and 54, a few verses down, because this, this verse actually uses both of those words we're talking about. One is unending existence, and the other is deathlessness. Now, the unending existence doesn't necessarily have to mean immortality. See, you can live forever without being immortal. You can. Be- because you have the potential to die, you just don't. Okay? There, okay. Immortality is deathlessness. means that no matter what happens to you, it, you, you using the, 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 the comic things like Wolverine, Wolverine can't die. Every time they shoot him, he, his body heals itself. You know, he, okay. he just goes on and on and on. Can't be killed. That's the, that's the, the idea. First Corinthians 15, 53 and 54. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on Incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. If you have to put immortality on, it means you don't own it. That's right. All right, so the scriptures are replete with examples of us having to put on, having to seek for immortality. And it's only the faithful Christian that will receive it if they're worthy. Because when immortality is discussed in the scriptures, those are the only ones who, who come into play. Let's go back to IamJeffreyAllen.com and just hear a little bit more about what he has to say about how uh, life works from his perspective, having that meeting before you live with the other spirits, I guess. I don't know. Okay, now, one thing that happened during that planning session is that you chose when you were going to die or the different opportunities at which you might die So I call these exit doors, and I see this all the time in readings and healing sessions of people who have had something very difficult or kind of a near-death experience happen, or that they're afraid that they're going to die soon. Now, in this planning session before you were born, you pick these particular days and say, ah, this, here's some opportunities for me to go. If it's better for me as a spirit to accomplish things I want to accomplish to stay in the life. I'll just move by those doors and not die. But if it's a good time to exit, I'm going to go through this exit door. I, I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I, I, I listen to that. And I just shake my head in sort of in disbelief saying, come on, really? 
you, you, you can't be serious about this. The idea that you had this meeting before you lived with the other people that would be involved in your life and you sort of planned when you would die because it's better for your spirit overall and they're called exit doors and you can choose to take it or not take it once you're there because it's what's better for your, 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 your spirit that was existing before. There are so many logistical issues with that I can't even begin to describe. Yeah. But again, we're showing you different perspectives on this. We don't have a whole lot of time here for this first hour. But folks, if we're not on in your area in the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com, click on Listen Live and stay with us because there's so much more to talk about. This is an important subject and the scriptures have a lot to say and by the way, so do we. (laughs) (laughs) So back to immortality, Jonathan, and actually in the interest of time, let's just go down to um, 1 Timothy 6.16. Who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Now, when it says who only has immortality... It's focusing very, very specifically here. And I, I believe that this scripture is talking about Jesus resurrected, who only has immortality dwelling in the light, God, which no man can approach. Because no man approaches God and lives. Right. Okay? And to that light be praise and honor and glory forever. So, but again, Jonathan, the scripture is being very specific. It's saying who only has immortality. So, if folks, if we say... If we say that we have an immortal soul, we are, this is a Rick and Jonathan point of view here on Christian Questions, we are going directly against several New Testament scriptures, not not even to mention the Old Testament. We laid the groundwork for the Old Testament earlier in the first hour and the second hour. We're going to get into a lot more detail on this. But we're going against several New Testament scriptures written to the body of Christ telling us that immortality is something you need to seek for, you need to work for, you need to position yourself for, you need to be faithful to, not something that you're going to have no matter what happens to you, whatever happens in your life, whether you're good, bad, or indifferent. So the concept of immortality is something to be sought after. Therefore, according to scriptures, not something that we own. In the second hour, again, so much more in terms of details on what happens when you die. We want to examine the scriptures further, so you've got to stay with us. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. If we're not on in your area, click Listen Live and continue the conversation with us. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Don't forget to check us out. Send us a tweet or two. Don't forget to ask your questions. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back soon. But until then, think about it. is Christian Questions. Marcus Tullius Cicero once said, The life of the dead is placed in the memory of the living. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast. With Jonathan and Rick, this isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, what happens when you die? And our theme text is found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, 
you surely will not die. So you have a contradiction in terms right there in that scripture. Right there. You know, God, you know, Eve is telling the serpent, Eve is telling Satan, like, this is what God said. And the serpent said, that's not what he meant. Hey, I love the quote, the life of the dead is placed in the memory of the living. Uh, personal experience. Yesterday, uh, our niece uh, was married and um, preparing for the wedding. Uh, my wife, Jewel, uh, wore some jewelry in honor of her mother. Uh, which passed um, last year on 9-11. And uh, it was that memory that she wanted to bring to the wedding uh, because of how happy she knows her, how her mom would be. Uh, so it was kind of neat. That's exactly what we do, isn't it? So the life of the dead is placed in the memory of the living. Absolutely. And we bring people who are dead back to life. In honoring. It, right. Yeah. By, by bringing parts of them back and remembering and yes. cherishing those things. Exactly. So it is. It, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing in the face of death, which is not a wonderful thing. No. To be able to have the capacity to do that. And so, good, good, good thought on that, Jonathan. Before we get back to our topic, and folks, if you do or want to join us on our topic, it's eight six six nine eight five four two five five. Toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We're live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. And our website, christianquestions.com. dot com. Uh, if you do want to join in, certainly give us a call, and uh, we'll we'll get you in. Uh, want to just touch back on <laughs> just just this past Wednesday was Christian Questions' fifteenth birthday. Yes, it was. And uh, in the first hour, we did play the very first introduction for the very first program, and that made me feel like. Eee. Well, I thought you did well. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I just because I have to even the score, oh, I have do to play. You have to. Yes, I do. I have to play one little soundbite from you from that very first program. And let's just preface this by saying, well, first of all, we're both scared to death. Petrified. Yeah, yeah, petrified's a good word. And when you're petrified, it's very hard to talk, right? Yes. And I did a lot of nodding, I remember. Yes, you, you said, did. They can't hear you nod. <laughs> but this is, I asked you, I think, a, a direct question. Anyway, l- let's listen to this short little soundbite from that first program. We're looking forward to uh, some, some pretty cool conversations. Jonathan, why don't you give us a little background on you, though, before we start real quick? Uh, well, um, I've got a family and a son that is real happy today. Uh, today's the last day of school, so Uh-oh. he's thrilled. Uh, so it's kind of a first uh, for both of us. He's ready to get out, and the show's on. So uh, it's an exciting day. Uh, also, I'm self-employed, so fortunately I have the ability to create a flexible schedule so we could be here. So uh, anyway, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> and that that was oh. a that was a theme we had to really work on. The I'm not sure what else to say yes. because it just it's just talk radio is not an easy thing to do. And we were on Friday morning. Right. Right. From nine to ten, so it's just it's just fun to kind of go back there and 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 listen to some of what was said. And you know, you know who called us the very 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 first program we ever had? Our friend Peter. Our friend Peter, who still calls us to this day. He called us during that very 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 first hour. So Peter, if you're listening, we do appreciate your your staying with us all this time. He and Julius have been two oh, yes. very significant uh, contributors to our program Absolutely. over all these years. Anyway, John. Let's get back to the subject. Uh, we were talking in the first hour about the the life and death picture pictured in the scriptures. Yes. And what we were saying is in the Old Testament, it talks about living and dying. Mm-hmm. Not not living after you die, but living and dying. Mm-hmm. We just, in the last segment, we talked about the, the New Testament, when you talk about immortality, is incredibly specific. That you have to seek for it because you don't have it. Right. 
So it's incredibly specific that we don't own as human beings immortality. So we talked about the soul, if you remember, in the Old, in the Old Testament. Yes. God, um, man became a living soul. Well, how does the New Testament handle that? Does, does that thought carry over into the New Testament? And we're going to look at, there's a word in the New, New Testament that's used for soul. And Rick, that means the animal sentient principle only. So it is really focusing on exactly the same thing. And let's take a look at a few scriptures that use that word and help us to figure out what the New Testament says and and answer the question, does the New Testament follow the Old Testament's description or does it change it? And he answered them saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And if you were to substitute the word being for soul, just as a general uh, way of defining it, it really does fit. It does. We love the Lord your God with your with all of your being. Jesus, his soul or being, uh, was sorrowful even to the point of death. How do we know that? Because he told us that in Matthew twenty six thirty eight. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. My very being is sorrowful even unto death because he he was about to die. Yes, he was. And the sorrow and the grief that he was feeling was just too much for him in terms of being able to to manage uh, what was going on. Uh, Jesus freely offered his life, his soul, or his being to die uh, as a ransom. How do we know that? Uh, Again, John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That word life, Rick, is the same word for soul or being. So what we see in the New Testament is the same thing that was in the Old Testament. Remember there were different words that were translated soul or being? Mm -hmm, Yes. You had uh, different, it was translated to be uh, soul or being or creature or life. That's right. All of those different translations. And it's the same word. It's the same thing in the New Testament. You You have soul. Uh, you have life, as all coming, both coming from the exact same word uh, that that soul. The greater love hath no man than this, that a man may lay down his being, his very life, for his friends. And then finally, um, Acts twenty-seven, uh, twenty-two. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you butt of the ship. Now, that is the Apostle Paul speaking while they're having, there's a shipwreck. Yes. Okay, so during this shipwreck, you have a bunch of panic going on, and the Apostle Paul, the ship is getting ready to sink, and the Apostle Paul says, look, I know nobody's life is going to be lost. And the word life is the same word for being. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a sense that it it is treated, in fact, in the same way as it it was in the Old Testament. Yes. And so that gives us us a a different perspective, uh, perhaps, than many of us would have carried into the New Testament. Exactly. It gives us this sense that in the in the in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there's actually very significant significant agreement. It's harmony. Right. And you know, in 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 the times of the Old Testament, just want to diverge for a quick second. In the times of the Old Testament, Jonathan, there were a lot of cultures that did have this idea of, of an eternal living on being. That's right. The Egyptian yes. culture? Yes. Very specifically, they were a very major culture at that time, and they did have that idea. And, and the question you'd have to ask yourself, well, if that's the truth, then why didn't the Jews have that thinking? Ah, interesting. And again, the New Testament is built on the foundation of the Old Testament. Let's do this, Jonathan. Let's go, just before we go to the phones, I just want to get a soundbite in here. This is from The Dean Show, D-E-E-N. This is a a Muslim 
uh, program. Okay. And they're giving a perspective on life and death from a Muslim point of view. And I think that's important. Again, we're, we're, we're bringing several other points of view into the mix just so we can understand how others look at it and others see it. So let's listen to this. And he divided the people into believers mm-hmm. and disbelievers. Yeah. And he said, when the person is about to start his hereafter, because the hereafter starts with the moment of death, mm-hmm. and he's departing from this life, if, if he's a believer, the angels will come to him from the heavens, and with bright faces, and they would sit with him as long as his eyes can see. And this is reality. This is more real than the fact that I'm sitting here and I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. So at that moment, he would see the angels sitting, lining up all the way to, the, to, to what his eyes can see. And then the angel of death, there's an angel responsible for taking the souls of the human being. The angel of death will come down, and he would sit in front of him, and he would order the soul. And he would say to the soul, to the believing soul, go out to the mercy and the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in Islam, there is a very specific pattern of things that happens at death. And they're very specific about how they lay it out. I, I'm just fascinated by that. We're going to come back to that uh, that program, the Dean Show, a few times just to get it rounded out. So he's talking about... Uh, in Islam, you divide the believers and the unbelievers, and you're going to have the same process but different end results for both. Gotcha. All right. Uh, Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Happy Father's Day. Thank you to you, Thank too, you. sir. Yeah. Uh, you know what's fascinating about Father's Day, uh, your topic this morning. Uh, the word father, I believe the basic meaning of the word father is life giver. Mm-hmm. So that uh, connects nicely to your uh, to your topic. Oh, good. Thank you, because I couldn't connect them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amused by, <laughs> by your reflections back 15 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's amusing. Uh, it's fun when you look back, but it wasn't fun then. You really, you really sweated it out. You know, yeah, it. You, literally you really stuck to it, and you good for you. Appreciate the Bible study. It's, uh, I, I learn from your, your your programs. That's why uh, I like to participate because uh, I like to learn more about God. Now, one interesting scripture I'd like to share with you: John eleven. Remember the account with Lazarus? Yes. Yeah, there, uh, the Lord Jesus he he tried to explain to them what uh, what was happening, and they, he said that uh, initially he says uh, Lazarus sleepeth. And uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't understand. I said, what do you mean he's sleeping? If he's, if he's sleeping, he does well. Well, Lazarus is dead. So uh, I, in, real, I, in reality, because there is to be a resurrection, death is styled as a sleep from which there is to be an awakening. Now, I appreciate your... Uh, your uh, your uh, studies and uh, your considerations. Your, uh, I think your your trend is uh, scriptural and uh, in harmony with God's word. One final thing: to understand God's plan, we must learn about God Himself. Thank you. God bless. Thanks, Julius. Appreciate your call. Bye bye. And, and Julius is right. When Lazarus, Lazarus gives us a picture of the styling of death as sleep, and the scriptures bear that out mm-hmm. in, in many, many ways. So, Julius, thanks so much for those, those thoughts, and especially the, the thought about Lazarus. Jonathan, let's go back to Romans 6. Remember we talked about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Yes. All right, well, let's get the context of that, because 
death is lifelessness and needs to be that's why resurrection is such an incredibly important part of the plan of God that's for sure because God resurrecting brings life back to that which doesn't have it and boy that is huge when you it think is. about it it is Romans 6 for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness therefore what benefit were that you then deriving from the things of which you are not ashamed now ashamed for the outcome of these things is death. Okay, so if you put the definition in place, the outcome of these things is lifelessness. Let's continue. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification, and the outcome, eternal life. So how do you get from death to eternal life? There's only one way, and then the wages of sin is death is the next scripture. But Jonathan, that's why resurrection is earth-shattering. Mm-hmm. Because it takes what is a natural process that God put built into mankind. When God built mankind, God built mankind with the ability to die. And it says, I'm giving mankind that ability so when sin enters, and he knew it would, mankind could die as a result of that. But my mercy says, I want mankind to have eternal existence. Not necessarily immortality, but eternal existence. Therefore, resurrection will be restoring life to that which once lived, stopped living, and now is a, can be alive again through the ransom of Jesus Christ. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, what happens when you die? Coming up, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? Or is there one? Do you have to be a Christian to have a spirit? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens when you die? be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we continue our discussion, we're talking about life and death and what happens when we die. And what is, most importantly, what do the scriptures say to us about what happens when we die? And up to this point, Jonathan, from our perspective, the scriptures give a very clear picture, which is very untraditional in terms of what happens when we die. And, and the scriptures define death as lifelessness. Mm-hmm. Julius used a good, a good, good analogy. Define death as sleep. Uh, and that can, because lifelessness doesn't have to be the end because God has worked the ability of an absolute miracle, and that is resurrection. And think of all the miracles of resurrection Jesus showed us in his life. Right, and those were just examples. Yes. Because they were, they were little tiny things when you think about it. You think, Wait, you mean the raising of Lazarus was a little tiny thing? Yes, it was, because Lazarus died eventually. Yes, he did. So, so Jesus was able to resuscitate, if you will, by the power of God. But the concept of resurrection, if you are a true follower of Christ, brings you to the heavenlies and gives the true follower of Christ the opportunity, not the guarantee, but the opportunity for immortality. They have to seek for it. Right, because the Bible tells us in, emphatically that we don't own immortality as human beings. No. We don't 
own it. How do we know? Because the scriptures tell us. And folks, we want to really encourage you to sign up for Seeker Rewind, the full edition. Uh, it, you can get it at ChristianQuestions.com. You sign up. It's a free service. There is no obligation, and there are a load of extra scriptures in there that, that in the bonus material that help to support the discussion that we're having about how all of this works together. And all kinds of graphics and illustrations, it's very well done. We're, we're very thankful for our volunteer army that, that creates CQ Rewind. Yes. So, Jonathan, let's go to another different perspective on death and dying. Uh, this is going to be a Chinese Taoist his name is Tyler. He was being interviewed by a sort of a man on the street kind of thing, mm-hmm. asking about what you think happens when you die. And again, this is a very interesting perspective. But I got really into uh, Chinese Taoism. And uh, I've, uh, for me, it's more about energy. Mm-hmm. And I think everything in, in the world, uh, everything you see, I mean, every, the ground, the cement, everything you see around us is energy. Uh-huh. So for me... Um, I think life on Earth is more or less a cultivation of that energy and being in tune with what's around you. And as far as death goes, um, for me at least, it's more of a transition into a new awareness rather than, or uh, a new awareness of energy rather than passing on to, say, heaven or hell or uh, a bad place or a good place. Okay, so you're just energy transferred somewhere. Just transfers, uh, you know, you might, I mean, who really knows? Uh-huh, but, uh-huh. uh huh. But I, for me, it's kind of exciting, not that I'm pro-death, but um, I don't view it as something that's uh, is negative in any way. So that's a kind of a, uh, an interesting perspective. He's, he's looking at death and saying, hey, look, you know, it's not, it's not that bad because I view it as, as uh, energy, um, if, if you will, that, that is um, always continuing, just, just like several of the other things that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the idea that he's not worried about death because you know, there's something better, and because of resurrection, I can say, yeah, I, I can agree, but for very different reasons. Exactly, exactly. So what we want to do is get into a conversation now about the soul and the spirit. But before we do that, Jonathan, why don't we go to the phones? All right, well, we have Don from Connecticut. Good morning, Don, and welcome to Christian Questions. Yeah, good morning. Um, I was kind of curious, uh, when, when God made created man, Adam, then Eve, uh, wasn't it supposed to be for eternity? I mean, we weren't supposed to die, correct? Right, right. They were created to be able to to be fruitful and multiply and fulfill the earth and continue to live on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're kind of fading. Can you boost up your volume a little bit? Okay, is that that better? Yeah, okay, I can hear you a little better now. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, well, well, what happened after that? Something, something. When you mentioned corruption, did our was it our our DNA got corrupt? So we we were slowly we were changed physically. Well, see, I think what happened, and this is actually a really good question. I think what happened is in that, in that creative process, if you notice in 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 the garden, they were able to eat of the tree of life, and. Adam and Eve were sustained in life because they needed to eat. They needed things on the outside to feed them on the inside. And and when they were thrown out of the garden, they no longer had, and this is what's said in Genesis, they would Uh no longer have access to that tree of life. And so, yes, the DNA began to fade and could not sustain itself without whatever was in that tree of life that kept their bodies going. Yeah, because well, you could see it like uh, I guess was it Adam? Adam actually lived uh, what nine hundred some years? Nine hundred and thirty years. And and Mo- uh, Moses didn't though. I mean, um, well, when when did Adam die then? At nine hundred and thirty years is that, later. Is <laughs> Sorry, that recorded? I mean, answer. was it was it? Somebody said that he was a, Adam was still alive when. Um, 
uh, Noah was around or something. Well, Adam, I think, actually died shortly before that, but Methuselah was around. There are yeah. actually like three three or four generations. Be, you can connect Adam to, to Noah with just like three or four different people. So it's a very, um, because they lived so long then, and they were much closer to the perfection that we were created in. But, you know, there, there was a, a change because the Tree of Life was no longer accessible. Now, wasn't there a scripture that says, uh, um, I, I know when God was given, gave the law to the Jews, uh, he said you can't no longer you know, marry your, your sisters, your nieces, and whatever, because we, we still must have been changing. Uh, you, know, you know, obviously we had to, you know, back then you had to marry, that's all you had was your daughters and your whatever. Right, right, uh, brothers and sisters and, and yeah, cousins, and then, right. Then, then, then he says, no, you, you can no longer do that. So another change occurred, I guess, to where, you know, if you do it too many times, you know, you, there's, there's physical damage to the offspring. Right. Yeah. Right. Don, great questions. We've got to keep moving on. We really appreciate your calling in. Good thoughts. Great, great. Good show, man. Thanks. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, see, Jonathan, good, good, good questions there because it gets down to the core of the matter. And, and again, the Bible gives us very clear, straightforward, understandable answers. So, Don, thanks so much. We appreciate very well thought out questions there. Let, let's get to this. And, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. Live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Soul and spirit, are they the same or are they different? And this is a massively confusing issue until you look at the Bible, I think. <laughs> and that it straightens it all out for me, so I'm a happy guy. There's actually an entirely different word for spirit in the scriptures. And it means, Rick, a current of air, a breath, or a breeze. And it really kind of symbolizes power, strength, and influence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what, what spirit actually symbolizes. Let's look at a, at a few um, uses of that particular word, which is very different than the word for soul in, 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 the, in the New Testament. And John bear record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abo- abode upon him. Now, I saw the spirit. Now, that is the spirit of God, the power and influence of God, and that's one spirit you don't mess around with. That's right. Okay, a few others. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So Jesus is talking and encouraging, saying that you true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So again, in, in, with that, about the power and influence uh, of God overruling you. And then Mark 9.25, a whole different use of that particular word for spirit. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. So that word spirit is used to describe demonic influence and possession. That's right. And and Jonathan, this is important. Next week, folks, you really don't want to miss next week's program because we're going to be talking about demonic influence. And that's a heavy-duty subject, but it is incredibly important in the day in which we live. That's right. So you don't want to miss it. And, and this program is sort of set as an introduction for that to try to put things in perspective. So next week, uh, stay with us uh, and as we talk about what does demonic influence mean? Is it real? Do we have to be afraid of it? Do we and have to how do we avoid it? it? And how do we avoid it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. So, so these examples, Jonathan, teach us that the spirit, spirit is not limited in any way to human form. Uh, rather, it is used uh, of God's influence as well as the influence of demons. Mm-hmm. So it's got a wide variety of meanings, if you will. I want to go back to um, 
our our new age friend asktiel.com and because she talks about and and she sort of embellishes the idea of what happens when you die and it just kind of gets fur- goes further and further in my mind out into left field but let, let's listen to this all death is is a shift in perspective it is a withdrawing of your energy and focus back from the physical and into what could be called the non-physical, which is the perspective that you hold for, there is no time in this dimension, but we could say for a much longer time, your larger part of you is always the non-physical, eternal self part of you. Just because your eyes and your ears do not perceive something does not mean that it isn't there. Any more than you can stand in this room and say that the Radio waves aren't there just because you can't see it. Your eyes and your ears and your senses were meant to be an interface for this one dimension only. They are a third dimensional interface. And so they do not perceive that which is beyond the third dimension. And in death, what is happening is the vibration of a person is going beyond the third dimension. Did you know that? I didn't. Well, neither do I. I still don't know that. And it's interesting because, again, there are many, many viewpoints of death that have a very philosophical, eternal sense to them. You know, your your eternal self versus your ego self and, and all of these things. But how do they know? Where's the foundation? Where's where's the facts? Or How do they come to this point? Well, I, and I, I, don't, I don't know the answers to that except for I can just tell you that with that other guy that we were listening to. And we're going to come back to him next week. Uh, Jeff, whatever his name was, um, his, his perspective was, well, he talks to ghosts, so he understands it because they tell him. Okay. All right. So, and, and you got to say, oh, well, what do you do with things like that? And we're going to get into that really next week in some, some depth, okay? But, again, Jonathan, there are so many different perspectives on what happens when you die. And to me, it's important to not try to find something that, okay, I like this one better than that one, but find something that's got some foundation to it, like you were saying. Proof. And to me, the best proof is to find this ancient book called the Bible that was written over several thousand years that when you look at it about this subject, it's actually incredibly harmonious from beginning to end. And it explains what death is. It's lifelessness. It explains what immortality is, something we can't, we don't own, but we can look towards if you're a faithful Christian. And it explains what eternal life is, which is living continually forever, just like our last caller Don had asked about. Where Adam and Eve had that ability. Only if they could get to the tree of life. Right. And that is a possibility. That's the way God created humanity, to be able to live forever, not immortally, but to live forever. There's a difference. Because when you live forever and you're not immortal, you can withdraw the source of life. Mm, Good point. So it's interesting that there's several levels here uh, to be dealt with, and and we're certainly not going to cover all this material here, but that's okay. Uh, The human spirit and God's spirit. Same word, same sense of invisible power. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So the Apostle Paul says, I serve God with my spirit, with my power, with my influence. This is with my drive. That's, that's, I think that's what, what spirit kind of encompasses when we look at it from a human standpoint. Romans eight thirteen to 16. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I love this scripture, and I'm, I'm sorry we can't spend more time on it, because it talks about the spirit, the power and influence of God. It talks about um, the spirit of bondage, which is not obviously the power and influence no. of God, but it is the power and influence of Satan. Yes. Okay? It talks about the spirit of God, the spirit of bondage, and then it says the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit. So it talks about the human spirit, the spirit of God, and the spirit of Satan, all in one section of verses. And what it's telling us is that this power and influence is struggling one with another to have supremacy in the human, in the human frame. And we have to guide our own spirit, our own strength, our power, our, 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 our drive toward the, 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 the spirit of God. Now, the difference between the soul and the spirit is the soul is who we are, the combination of body and breath that can live and die, and the spirit is power, will, or force expressed by that which lives. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens when you die? Coming up. There are scriptures that seem to show that death is not the end. We'll look at some of them. You be the judge. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what happens when you die? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now and our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we're looking at um, the biblical perspective, well, our perspective on the biblical perspective of life and death. There you go. And in our, in our mind, we see the biblical perspective as reflecting the idea that death is lifelessness. Just like darkness is the absence of light. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Death is lifelessness, and that can be remedied and corrected by God who can resurrect from the dead. He will only do so in a just manner, and that's why the ransom of Jesus had to be paid. It opened the door for resurrection because God created man to live forever on this earth. That's right, he did. That was his intention, and that is his plan. So all of that being said, I want to touch on, before we go to the phones, I want to go back to the, the Muslim perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, because remember, in the, in the first uh, uh, soundbite from the Muslim perspective, they were presenting, okay, you separate the, the believers from the non-believers, and now there's three questions that you have to answer. This is a Muslim perspective on what happens when you die. Or, or two angels will come to him. And these two angels will make him sit in a way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. We're not talking about physical things here. And they would ask him three questions. And this is what is very important for us to realize now, that this is what we prepare ourselves for. Do we have answers to these three questions or not? And the answers is not just what we know, is how our life was. They would ask him, who is your Lord? What is your religion? And who is the messenger that was sent to you? And the believers, they would say when they asked, who is your Lord? They would, he would say, Allah, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And who is, what is your religion? He would say, Submission to the creator of the heavens and the earth, which is Islam. And who is the, your, your prophet? He would say, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That moment, he will be opened a gate in front of him.
to the Hellfires, to the Hellfires. And it will be said to him, this was supposed to be your place if you would have been a disbeliever. But it was replaced for you by another place and then a gate to the paradise will be opened to him. So there's three specific questions and uh, we'd be in trouble on those three questions, wouldn't we? We would. <laughs> and, and, and basically saying, okay, you would have ended up in hellfire burning forever, but because you answered those three questions correctly, and obviously what they say is those questions are answered according to the depths of your heart. Mm-hmm. You can't fake it. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. Sure. But, you know, you know who, who is your prophet? What is your religion? Uh, and um, I forget what the third, third one was. But it gives you a sense that they're saying, okay, you have to verify your, your, your Muslim belief as it permeated your life to to get to eternal life gotcha i think okay. the third was who was god right right who, who is your god R- right. good thank you for that all right jonathan let's go back to the phones before we get to some of these difficult scriptures all right well we have randall from connecticut good morning randall and welcome to christian questions good morning happy sunday guys to you too and holy father's day thank you we have one corinthians twelve thirteen. for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body As the first man, Adam, led this body into death, in Christ we will rise into a glorified body. Our baptism tells us this. 1 Corinthians 15, 49. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly one, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly one. This is the central message of the Christian. This lowly body that hurts, that suffers, that dies, is not our destiny. Jesus' resurrection will raise us to him. Philippians 3.21, he will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body by the power that enables him to bring all things into subjection to himself. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Happy Sunday. God bless you guys. <laughs> thanks. Take thanks care. so much. So, so uh, again, we're looking at the idea of life and death and, and resurrection. And, and the key, Jonathan, really is resurrection. It is. Because without resurrection, there is nothing left. And see, to me, that is the most important aspect of this whole thing. Without resurrection, there is nothing left. There is just simply death, which is when you, when you take a, a hard drive out of, com- out of a computer and you smash it with a hammer... What's left? It's done. It's done. It, it is not capable of functioning or working anymore, and that's a great way to kind of look at what happens when we die. Randall, thanks so much for the call. So, so Jonathan, let's get into some of these difficult scriptures. And, folks, again, if you have a thought, now is absolutely the time, 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, Give us a call or ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.com or go to our Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition. You can't forget to do that. Folks, I'm telling you, it is a great tool to use to supplement trying to figure out what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> you, you go there, you get it and, it, and it lines it up. It quotes out all of the scriptures we use. She puts in all of the ones that we skip over because we don't have time. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's bonus material. So it really gives you not only the program, but a whole much larger perspective on what the program is really about. ChristianQuestions.com is the place to go. Seek your rewind, the full edition. Sign up. It's free. Okay, Jonathan, a couple of difficult scriptures here. We'll see how many we have time for. First one, Genesis thirty-five, sixteen to 18. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. 
And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So as her soul was in departing, and, and, and folks can look at that and say, Ah, see, the soul is going somewhere. And okay, I can I can see where you would get that from that that scripture. Well, let's take a look at another uh, another scripture that talks about the same kind of a thing, but it, this is talking about a, a raising from the dead in First Kings seventeen. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. So when you think about it, the life came back into his body. And isn't that what happens when we revive people uh, in, uh, in the emergency room today? Yes, yes. So it's not that the, the soul is something tangible that goes someplace else. It's that life left the body. And it returned. And life can return to the body. And if the dying process is not completed itself then we can't actually re- re- revive people. That's right. Okay, and with, with medicine. But if the dying process has completed itself, then revival is not possible. The only thing left for them is resurrection. That's right. And that is coming. And that's a promise. How, how about this next scripture from Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 to 10? And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord? Holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? Okay, so here, this is very graphic scripture, Jonathan. It is. First of all, it's from Revelation, and there's a lot of graphic things going on in Revelation. Yes. We do believe Revelation to be a book of symbols. Mm -hmm. All right, and when you see it that way, it says, but I says, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and they cried out with a loud voice. And you're saying, well, okay, you're saying that the soul is disembodied, if you will, and it's crying out with a voice. That's what it sounds like. It does. It does sound like that. Well, let's take a look at, again, we're looking at a book of very, very deep uh, symbols here. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 19, verses 37 to 41. Now, this is not about souls, okay, but this is about using that picture language to make a very specific point. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. So here, this is Jesus riding into Jerusalem. And the Pharisees are very upset because his disciples are, Hosanna to the Son of God, you know, Hosanna in the highest. And, and I mean, they're, they're making this ruckus in the, in the ears of the Pharisees, proclaiming Jesus as Master. As Messiah, yeah. And so the Pharisees say to Jesus, keep them quiet, will you? And he's saying, basically Jesus is saying that this was prophesied to happen. And if they didn't say it, the stones would say it because it has to happen. So, no, I can't quiet them down because this is prophecy being fulfilled. Jesus isn't saying, well, you know what? These stones would develop literal vocal cords and little mouths and start to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. (laughs) He's not saying that. What he's saying is prophecy must be fulfilled when God puts it in place to be fulfilled. You can't get in the way. And that, to me, is a powerful statement on the part of Jesus saying you cannot stop 
the plan of God. And then one other, one other verse, similar kind of a thought here in Genesis chapter 4. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So, is God saying that, the, that, that Abel's blood had a literal physical voice? No. He's saying that you murdered your brother and his blood is evidence of that murder. It's laying spilt upon the ground where it should be sustaining his life. So he's, he's giving voice to something that doesn't have a voice to make the point. And it's just like you said earlier in the program at the beginning of the second hour. Remember the quote? And you said you know, your, your wife wore the, the jewelry mm-hmm. that belonged to her mom yep. to, to bring your mom to the wedding, if you will. Yes. To give yes. her voice, to, to exactly. express her what her happiness would have been. Mm-hmm. So when we look at these scriptures, folks, we have to realize that there, there's symbols that we can look at and understand, and they fit. They really, truly do fit, and we use them now still all the time. We do. Okay, uh, so and there are several other scriptures that could be the potential, quote, problem scriptures. We don't have time to go into them, but if you go to CQ Rewind, the full edition. You'll see them all there. And it's got to be the full edition. You sign up for that part because that has the bonus material. Okay, the, the summary version that's on the website doesn't have all of this extra stuff. The full edition does. Go to ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, and you can take a look at all of those things. So, Jonathan, let's begin to wrap this up because we're almost out of time. So, the soul can and does die. That's what we've been saying. Now, we've quoted many, many scriptures up to this point. There's certain scriptures we haven't even touched on. Let's touch on a few of those now. And fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. And you say, aha, you see, it's separating the two. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay, and hell is Gehenna. Mm -hmm. We know that to be a place of complete, total, and utter destruction. Destruction. Because historically, that's what the Valley of Hinnom was. It was literally a garbage dump. And Jesus is saying, don't, and here's what he's saying, and and let let me put a little bit of a, translation, if you will, onto this, a a commentary is is a better way to put it. Jesus is saying, look, don't be afraid of people who can kill you, but they can't destroy your future life. They can't destroy your life in in me through God. He's saying, but only be afraid of him who can take your future life and put you into second death where it's utter, complete destruction, oblivion forever. Saying that's the one. So what Jesus is saying is that the soul can be destroyed. Uh, Let's uh, go to Acts 3.23. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. So again, another scripture that talks about the destruction of those who do not hear that prophet. And and Jonathan, there are several scriptures that use that, that sense of destruction. Now we don't have... Uh, a lot of time here, Jonathan. So let's sort of sum up these other scriptures. As in Adam all die, even Christ, in Christ all are made alive. That's right. Resurrection is the answer to everything we're talking about here. Exactly. All right? And Job 14, 14 to 15, because I think this points to what the, the power of the resurrection. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will wait till my change come. Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. So Job is talking about dying and living, and Job was going through a, a, a miserable point in his life. He says, if a man dies, will he live again? Death is the absence of life. 
And the answer to that is yes, man can live after dying, after be going to an oblivious state of non-existence because the resurrection of Jesus opened up the door to the resurrection of mankind, the vast majority of mankind to eternal life on earth, which is what God's original plan was. And for those few faithful Christians, resurrection to immortality with Jesus in heaven. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. A tough subject, a lot to talk about. Please check us out on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Go to ChristianQuestions.com and leave your comments there as well. For Jonathan and Rick, it is Christian Questions. Until next week, what happens when you die? Think about it. 